Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin and welcome to another top, top podcast. Celtic began the weekend top of the Premiership, then Kilmarnock went top, then Rangers went top. Don't worry, we're staying on top of it. Livingston were top guns as they fired five past hearts and to top it all off, Aberdeen are now just four points off top spot. The top two in the Championship served up top entertainment with a six-goal thriller. And later, we'll be checking in on League One Wraith Rovers, who are trying to make it back to the top. Because I've got to have Wraith. Alongside me in the studio from The Telegraph, providing top bants, as always, it's JJ Bull. God, I hate that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> top top bants. Oh. Totally top banter, by the way. I love Island after this. I love That's the Kevin Bridges joke that I love. It's like, total top bants. <laughs> top banter. Give us some bants, JJ. What were you up to last Friday? Last Friday? You know very well what I was up to, Andrew Slavin. Yeah, we had um, we had a little Muddy Knees Christmas party um, with all the gang. It was awesome. It was lovely. We had a lovely time with everyone who works on the Totally Football Show and all the many shows. All the Galazzo. And we had a wee spot of karaoke, didn't we, JJ? That's right. You got to have a wee sing-song with one of your childhood heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I sang a karaoke duet with James Richardson. It was cool. Yeah? Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> when I've consumed a certain amount of beers, Andrew, it's always Desperado by the Eagles. I, I just remember as soon as that came in the desperado bit. Yeah. I, I I saw J, um, saw James Richardson run from the back of the the karaoke room because he heard you sing and he just grabbed the microphone off of someone and just came right in on the on the chorus with you and I saw you well up a little bit. It's a beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was it was magic. I like I like in that little bit. Um, you hear me just in the background. JJ, got yourself, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> Sinclair gave it away, it's Stevenson. Look at Camberry. It's Mackey's ball. Florian Camberry has a big opportunity here, and it's two. What a finish! Treble Treble may be on Celtic's radar, but after suffering their third defeat of the season in the Premiership, they slipped to third in the table on Sunday. Hibs stunned the champions with their first victory at Easter Road in 10 weeks, Neil Lennon's side running out 2-0 winners. We're joined now by Barca Jim, our old friend and Celtic supporter. It's been an odd week for Brendan Rodgers. They qualified for the last 32 of the Europa League by losing to Salzburg. Rosenberg got them out of jail. Then they surrendered top spot in the Premiership. What's the mood among Celtic fans at the moment? Well, there's plenty of them that are uh, happily wetting the bed at the moment, thinking that the end is nigh, etc., etc. But 
if I put it in context, last week you had the news about Griffiths. Mm. You had a really, really tough European game. We lose probably our talisman over the last five or six weeks with an injury that we still don't know how bad it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we go to a really tough a tough venue and lose a goal in the first minute when we're going with a system that we've never played before. So I'm not absolving Rogers from blame because I think he's he's got a hand in this, but looking at the overall context, it was just to use an expression, it's just one of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one because obviously there was a number of changes, um, four in fact, um, that Rodgers uh, was forced into making. And, and he admitted that he changed the shape for this game. But what was odd for me was that he comes out in the post-match interview and says he doesn't have the players to play the system that they were. But Celtic still have the players to go out and comfortably win at Easter Road. They do, but I, I genuinely think that the, the speed of that goal even if you've only played amateur football and you you turn up for a new team, you play your way into a game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You play your way into it. But when that goal goes in in the first minute, all of a sudden Celtic, because you know the fans behind the goal are demanding that they, they chase the game, they don't take a wee breath and just play themselves naturally into the game. They probably start to force it. I spoke to a pal of mine who was actually at the game. You know, he sees a lot more than maybe you would Mm-hmm. Um, he was at the game and he saw that Ayer for the first half just kept looking at the bench as much as like where do I go now either play the boy at right back but don't play him on the right side of a three mm. he, he might be able to walk his way into the game but when it's 1-0 down I don't think he got that chance I think the premiership table at the top is, is going to change loads um, over the next couple of weeks before the winter break but Celtic still have a lot to look forward to um, the Europa League they've just pulled out Valencia and in, in the last 32 Valencia are actually struggling at the moment they're in the bottom half of the table not that far off the, the you know the relegation spots I believe I think Valencia if we can get something at Celtic Park um, if Bayouata's back fit if we've brought in a couple of if maybe a defender's in or whatever if we can go over there with anything at all then who knows JJ was this a surprise Obviously, a lot of people would suggest that any team coming off the back of a Europa League or a European game on a Thursday, playing at the weekend, that it's difficult. Were you surprised? Um, I don't know if he has to change quite so many players as he did. Uh, the shape is odd as well. and So the, the difference in shape and the system that he did is he went to a 3-4-3, which might have been to try and almost match up Hibs because they're normally a 3-5-2, but actually Neil Eddins changed that and seems to have ditched it in recent Last couple of games. So obviously he, he was out with Kieran Tierney was out. Um, yes, Izaguirre came in um, as a left wing back and he played Scott Sinclair right wing back. Brian Christie was out, so you had the the old guard coming in and Cham and Brown in the centre mid. Yeah, and then McGregor played a bit well. You had uh, Forrest was the right side of, of attack behind um, Odson Edward and McGregor was on the left hand side of that. Mm. That three, so three four three, and. Neil Lennon summed it up very well, saying that they turned up with real athleticism and intensity. They basically turned up for the big game. Mm. And you can tell he was right wound up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. And I, I totally get it. Because you could see um, from the very the very start of the game, Hibs were at it. They were pressing high with clear triggers and they were pushing play out wide to close it down and win the ball. And it, it was as easy as that. Like They scored basically from kickoff. S- Slivka um, just kind of ghosted in. It was a wonderful move. 
involving pretty much everyone. So on Izaguirre's side, I think he had a horrible game, Izaguirre. Effie Ambrose was tremendous. Uh, Ryan Portis has had a lot of praise. He was excellent. Yes, he is some player. We've he got some excellent. good centre-backs in Scotland. Now. Listen, Hibs, Hibs youth players in, in total. The three academy players on the pitch in that game. Um, Sean Mackey coming on for Slivka later on, oh, yeah. but they were they were excellent. Uh, so Sean Mackey, Ryan Porteous, and Ollie Shaw, and Ollie Shaw had a, a put in an absolute shift up front. The, the wonderful thing I saw from Hibernian was the amount of times they were pressing Celtic in Celtic's half. The way that Hibs attack them is exactly what they don't like. And when you change that many players, there must be a slight change to the attitude of the team that comes in. Even though you still got Scott Brown and that there, you know. It is disappointing for, for Neil Lennon to think, well, why are you turning up for this game? <laughs> not not any of the other ones. Yeah. But, you know, sp- special mentions for, for Emerson Heinemann, who was excellent. Daryl Horgan was excellent. That that midfield diamond that they operated with really suffocated Celtic. Um, and the, the, the second goal, Florian Camberry, a wonderful assist from Sean Mackey. Um, it's all about the finish. Cam- though, Cam- Cam- well, the first touch and the finish. Well, he, has, he does well, keep it under pressure. Uh, he takes it into the box and shoots near post and I was saying to one of my pals earlier what did you do in this situation I didn't tell him where the shot went and every single person I've asked you aim bottom left try and take it away from the keeper mm. you come in from the right hand side but he just sort of wallops it and it goes straight past into the roof of the net similar to That's the last goal he scored against but, Celtic but it was all that it was that same the, way, the same way he hit that shot sort of summed up the game it was all intensity mm. athleticism power going for it and making sure you're organised and attacking them relentlessly and that does work against Celtic if they're slightly weakened we should talk about Lee Griffiths um, both clubs showed their support for the Scotland striker it was announced last week that he'll be taking time off um, from football to recover from ongoing issues some relating to mental health Um Everyone here at the Totally Scottish Football Show and the Totally Football team obviously wish him all, all the best. But it does leave Celtic quite light in the, the forward areas. Well, it's a shame they've only got was a £9 million player from PSG. To yeah, but that's for. one player who's 20 <laughs> years old. You can't, you can't put that amount of pressure on a young player like that. So Celtic used to have a very good scouting team. It was yeah. headed up by John Park, yeah. but he's left. Since then, they've not really found the stars that they were getting in. There are good youngsters out there that they can get. You know, they've, they've recruited well with Benkovic, for example, is clearly, but he's there on loan. Mm-hmm. Edward's a hot prospect as well. What they cost now, because the market's been inflated so much by especially the English Premier League, what they cost now is probably not worth what you get in. You might be able to find some youth player that you can do a little bit more with to help out. Edward, they've got money in the bank. It is sitting there, but it's whether it's worth investment and it might well be because they have a bit of a title fight on and if they're going to try and do well in the Europa League, then it might as well be worth going for it. But like you say, it's the money you invest is actually going to get you someone... Are you going to ever see that money back if you invest £8 million on a half-decent player who could maybe be okay sometimes? And who's wanting to sit on the bench behind Edward? What kind of age group are you going to get in? That's Boyle to Hamilton not the most convincing pass from him Andy Boyle again has played it straight to Chris Burke and he can surely put this on a plate for Greg Stewart who scores his 8th goal of the season it's 5-6 and six. After being thrashed 5-1 at Celtic Park last Saturday Kilmarnock were back to winning ways as they put away Dundee by 3 goals to 1 We're joined now by Barry Richmond director of the Killy Trust Barry, our reaction to that Celtic game last week was that it was one of the best performances we'd seen from a team in Scotland this season. What was your reaction to it? Well, it was a bit hard to take. The first half, they were definitely on fire. They were all over us. We didn't stand much of a chance. Steve Clark, we shuffled a bit in the second half and we technically withdrew the second half. So, you know, it wasn't 
totally a disaster by any manner of means, but I don't think Andy could get anywhere near Celtic in the first half last week. I think it just so happens that we were the ones that were there. I think they had something to prove to their manager. How much does it say about the, the character of the Kelly players, you know, coming up into this game and, and, and getting another win? I think the players and the fans as well both took it on the chin, basically. These things happen in football. You're always going to get the odd blip, the odd result like that. Not, to be fair, normally we have a lot more than that to worry is, but uh, I think that they responded well to Steve. The fans, weren't they on the players' backs at the end of the game at Parkhead? And everybody just expected to get back on the tracks and back to normal against Dundee. And although it looked a very stuffy side in the, in the first half against Dundee, they came good in the end and they couldn't live with us. Who's your best player for Kelly this season so far? Greg Stewart. Yeah. Straight, straight in there, Greg Stewart. <laughs> I, I tell you what, he's been certainly one of the ones who's, who's stuck out, but it's probably a cliche, but it's a real team game in there. Power and, and Dicker in the midfield have just been a, a tower of strength in there. Up front, Brophy, you know, he's been looking good for a, for the past year and a half, maybe two years now. And I, I think it's been a real team game. You can't really fault anybody at it. The only things we've really struggled is with people going out injured. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've not got a massive squad in like that, which could cost us in, in the long run. So, so what's 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 a realistic aim for for Kilmarnock this season? You know, you're you're currently level on points with with top of the league, uh, Rangers at the moment. Would Europe be a welcome, uh, welcoming thing for Kilmarnock? It certainly will be for the fans. Don't know if the club can afford it right enough. <laughs> <laughs> it cost a few quid to to go. It depends the draw, really. It's been years since we've been in Europe and. Back in the late 90s, when we started getting back into Europe again, I think we went six or seven years in the trot in Europe, and it got to the stage where you could miss a game because you knew you'd been it next year. Well, that, that's been a long time since the, we've been in that situation again, so it's a, it's a right novelty for a new generation of fans if we get into Europe again. It's definitely a target. I don't see why we can't achieve it. You know, We've been doing really well, and I don't think anybody's expecting us to win the league or anything like that, but see, from the top four, we'll be delighted. Is there a change in the town and the kind of, you know, there's a lot more people in Kilmarnock wearing Kilmarnock shirts, stuff like that. It's, it's just been a sensational story so far. Well, it certainly has been. I mean, that's quite a bit of success in the park. This for the team is, is absolutely wonderful. A lot of it's down as well to, I mean, we've, obviously Michael Johnson left, the boardroom change, Billy Bowie come in with John Kilty, Bill White. The fans, through the trust, we got a director on the board there, Kathy Jimison, she's been in there sorting things out as well. They've been doing a lot of things right and they've been consulting with, with supporters before they make crazy decisions like they used to make, which which also helps with the feel-good factor. So I think it's between that and obviously the success we've been having on the park, there's, there's certainly a lot of people coming back. They're starting to come back again. I think I looked at the figures last week, we're a 1,000 up in the same game last year. So it's slow progress, but you know as long as we're going the right direction, nobody can complain about that. I thought they nipped the ball around really cleverly. Well, they kept putting it. Yeah, well, yeah. A, were, a lot of people sometimes think, "Oh, Kelly might just lump it long," but they really don't. They sort of do. It's direct passing, but what they do is they, they almost bypass midfield. I accept that. They push accept it out that, wide, yeah. and they push it out wide, and then they chase it, chase a second ball down, yeah. and they win it, and they get in. And so many times they were getting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dundee's best player by far and away was Calvin Miller, but he got hooked in the second half. I actually thought and that's he was, when they started to lose. <laughs> I actually thought he was culpable for the second goal because it, it got flicked out to him and Brophy, and Calvin Miller who has been a very, very good player for Dundee. Yeah. He just seems to kind of let Brophy roll him 
and the response for me wasn't good enough. You know, the way that he jogs back. Like, I know there's a player that's there, but you're Dundee. You need every player to be just busting a gut. I don't know. I'm going to let him off because honestly, he was their only way of getting out of defence. Okay. So they were either launching it and it was going nowhere or they were take, going to Calvin Miller and he was going past people. He is it. capable of that. Well, he's, yeah. he's a very good player. I thought he was good. It seemed like a very, uh, I don't mean this to be harsh on the, the manager, but it seems like a very Scottish manager thing to do to take off the only player who has given you any sort of creative outlet <laughs> to try and strengthen in the middle instead. But mm. maybe that's the way you're supposed to get a result but you're only losing so yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing I, I don't agree with that I think you should always try and attack rather than just defend and hope to get something out of it Kelly were just very very good Greg Stewart was superb again Jordan Jones kept running rings around folk the way they were moving the ball forward was good and then when they were defending they were getting it away so they could get back into shape and then the ball would keep coming back and he would mm-hmm. kick it away until they're back into shape I agree with Barry when he says someone like Alan Power has been excellent for, for Kilmarnock yeah. I actually saw a lot of him when he was at Lincoln City and never at all expected them to play this type of game that he's playing now. There was that one through ball where he found Jordan Jones. I was like, where'd that come from? Uh, there's a few good little passes in yeah. like this one, actually. Like, like things... It was good to watch. Yeah, well, not if you're a Dundee fan. But it was... Uh, uh, well, they had eight, Kelly had 18 <laughs> shots. Uh, Dundee had five. But I, I never felt at any point during watching this game that Dundee were going to get back into it. I also wanted to point out that the, um, the third goal that Kelly scored was astonishingly... Oh, man. Bad slash funny. Really, lots of individual mistakes in this game, but that one was the worst. Absolutely it was, yeah. If you can see it, on, you can go on YouTube, obviously, and find this, but it's worth watching. There's Andy Boyle at left-back, who has the ball. The keeper passes to him. The Killy players press really high straight away, but Boyle doesn't help himself by passing just inside. So in this situation, really, you just need to ping it down the wing. Yeah. So this is, that's every single time. You can't, they're not trying to play it from the back here. Uh, snipped onto, I think it's Burke gets it, runs in and passes inside for Stewart to get his goal and come on and get their third. It was... It was poor. I mean, it's so poor. It's funny, it's sad. It's like a, what's the word, schadenfreude? It's, it's funny because it just looks like he meant it. <laughs> like, oh, there you go, Chris. But he, and then he just shakes his head, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So, well, yeah. <laughs> as if, like, you kind of know as soon as you go into the dressing room, you're going to get an absolute doing. <laughs> like, I can get out of doing that because I'm rubbish at football, but you're a professional <clears throat> footballer. You should know better. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Aberdeen managed just 17 goals in their first 15 Premiership games this season, but the Dons made it five goals in two matches as they ground out a 2-1 win at St Mirren on Saturday. Stevie May and Sam Cosgrove both got in the score sheet, JJ. That's mental. Stevie May scored a penalty and I'm not sure he touched the ball apart from that. And Sam Cosgrove <laughs> scored a header from two yards. Both goals were from set pieces. But here's the thing, right? So this was an ugly game, mm. um, but Aberdeen still won it. But how? that's But that's how Aberdeen win games this season. See, one of the things Darren McInnes has put in is this kind of uh, culture, this winning mentality that it takes a long time to foster and build, but it's there. How many years have watched Aberdeen play and they never win this kind of game? They would always lose and it's not, it's not nice to watch. What was, what was going against them on Saturday then? Well, both teams were kind of largely cancelling each other out. In the, in the first half, what was happening was Aberdeen were trying to stay patient with the ball, pass mm. it along the centre-backs, going out wide, then passing inside and Shinny was trying to link play. St Mirren just kept winning it in midfield. It was a, a mid-block they were putting in and they just kept winning it in midfield. So Aberdeen were passing, pass, pass and eventually they were hitting it long. McLennan took about 25 minutes to get into the game once he did. He was a bit of an outlet on the right so that was useful but they weren't getting the ball long to Cosgrove who's tall but doesn't really win headers that mm. seems to have bypassed a lot of attention uh, May was 
sort of a 10, but not really. Again, it's that 442 um, shape that I'm just not a huge fan of. Lewis Ferguson was next to Shinny in midfield. But the first half, they cancelled each other out. The second half was a bit different. But St Mirren didn't defend the way they did in the first half. You'd think they'd be more up for it after a half-time team talk, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had their goal, but that was, again, a scrappy affair. And it was, I think the, the young Aberdeen lads, Ferguson and Lowe, I think were at fault, really, for not tracking their men. It's against man-to-man, not zonal, and yeah. the ball just trundles and past it. Considine's pointing out to someone that done something wrong. But St Mirren offered little. I don't think they had really any shots. They didn't really trouble them at all. But Aberdeen just saw it out. And they just managed to get it done. Maxwell was very good again. And But what happened again in the second half was a cool little trick. Was uh, <laughs> the left winger, McGinn, was pulling out wide rather than going inside. And then Lowe was underlapping to go inside as an extra midfielder. Mm-hmm. Which is... I like that. Aberdeen, it's been it's been a really weird season. To think that they're just four points separating the top five. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, they're not... They're, um, good they're above hearts season. as well yeah. now. They got good hearts for early in the season, and Aberdeen have just silently got their way there. We're Aberdeen, 17 games, uh, four points behind Rangers at the top. It's what, pretty special. What about St Mirren, though? They've got Motherwell next week. Yeah. You know, Motherwell, who are quite an inconsistent team at the moment, you know, picking up wins, but not as consistently as they would like. St Mirren haven't won away from home all season. They're the only team who hasn't won away from home this season. If they can pick up three points... I don't know. I, I feel like I want to give some positivity for well, it's, it's, it's really hard. It is really, really so hard. They're playing Motherwell, and Motherwell are very good at taking set pieces and scoring from them, and St. Mirren have really struggled to defend against them all game. Yeah. And Motherwell will shut them out as well, because they, they're not really creating anything. There's no players there that are producing anything in the way in the final third. It's all reliant on second balls, and sometimes they, they look good after the break, and, and they were passing it around a lot, and mm-hmm. that was nice to kind of see. But um, two shots and goal at home. Aberdeen didn't really have to work awfully hard to keep them quiet. And uh, they're just not quite there. I think Motherwell could be a real struggle for them because how physical they are. Yeah. Especially for set pieces. A brilliant switch of play across to the left side for Lawless. He's up to the edge of the area, he's inside the box, shot blocked, but it breaks back towards Sean Byrne, and Sean Byrne leaves the goalkeeper flat-footed. It was Friday night delight for Livingston at the Tony Macaroni as they put five past Hearts. All five goals coming in the last 18 minutes in West Lothian. Livingston blogger Andrew Semple, our old friend, rejoins us on the podcast. Andrew, you asked the question on Twitter on Friday, and we'll ask you now for an answer. Was this Levy's best ever result in their history? <laughs> I thought that was coming. It was Levy's uh, biggest ever top flight win. Yeah, uh, probably not, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say the League Cup final would, would, yeah. would top that one, but uh, it would be in the top top two or three, that's for sure. What time did you uh, send that tweet out of interest? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Uh. I can't remember much about Friday. <laughs> uh, that's not coincidental. That's very, yeah. Well, uh, Livy's success this season has probably been built on that defence. <clears throat> um, they haven't had a prolific striker. They've played some nice football, especially recently as well. But Ryan Hardy has got three goals and two starts. Is he, is he the one? Yeah, let put it this way. He's been the missing link. Uh, the fans have been begging for him to come back fit mm-hmm. all season yeah. it's been the missing link I, f- I find it quite astounding actually I think I put something up on Twitter the other night there that uh, 
we're we're sitting with the third best defence and the fifth most goals in the league, and that's playing without a striker. Uh, I know we've got Dolly Menger, but but he's not a striker. He's a winger playing as a striker. Uh, it's quite incredible. Ryan Hardy is that missing link. I, I can't imagine we would be if we had him at the start of the season, to be honest. Yeah, his, his finishing was excellent in this game. Yeah, um, yeah he, I mean, he was I mean, dangerous Going throughout. back to last season, uh, he, he was brilliant for us last season at the second half and he was a major part of how we got promoted. And it's really, we've been screaming out for an out-and-out finisher this season and Ryan Hardy, we're so glad to have him back fit and, and rearing to go for the second part of the season. Listen, this was Levy's third game in six days, um, and you've just been phenomenal all season. But to go through this really congested period right now and be picking up points, you know, how much um, of that is is down to someone like Gary Holt? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it's even more than that. Actually, I think I think we played, I think we've played five games in something like fifteen days. It's it's been wow. a, a really busy period. Um, and I was I was up at Aberdeen last Tuesday. And I have to say, we were we were dead on our feet. Uh, the second half, Aberdeen ripped us to shreds. Second half, it could have been anything. And I'm not going to lie, going into Friday night, I was concerned because I just didn't think we had the legs in us. Mm. And uh, the, the fitness is incredible on this team. It has been for, for two years now. And uh, Gary Holtz just continued that. I think I think a major part of that is the, the backroom team, to be honest. Mm. They've been in place for the last two or three years. And and it's something that's been installed in this team yeah, is fitness. And, and I don't think you'll find a harder working side than us, to be honest, in, in the whole of Scottish football. What's been your highlight of the whole year? So over 2018, you had three different managers, two different leagues, and now their greatest ever result. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, the, the playoff victory was, was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't think I'll have memories like that for a long time again following Livingston. To, to even be where we are, I mean, let's not forget, two years ago we were in League One yeah. and we were teetering on the edge of whether to go part-time uh, and if, if we'd went there, there was, there's no danger we'd be in the position we are just now. Uh, to be sitting in the top six, it's it's a dream. And uh, if we keep on going the way we are, I don't see why we can't continue that. We've played everybody now and there's not really a team that, that I worry about. Mm. I, I don't see us going into a game and, and getting a hammer in yeah. and, and I can see us picking up points here and there against the fancy teams yeah, I just I just don't see it ending at the moment with the squad of players we've got Hearts are really rattled though and I, I, I don't I mean Livingston played very well like this is this is as much as a part of Livingston doing well as mm-hmm. it was Hearts being all I think they were really wound up by the refereeing stuff Oh you had to bring it back to refereeing Well you could see that they seemed rattled they just weren't quite on mm. their game Players are not in the right positions at the right time. And I think it's because it seemed like they all started to chase the ball at some point after the red card, mm. almost as if they wanted to seek vengeance upon the ball. Well, then let's talk about the red card. Was it a first yellow? Was that was the first yellow a yellow? S- sorry, for uh, Bobby's Lamar. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm going to go straight for um, for so you, Zoom. Okay. So the actual red card. I think the first yellow was a yellow, and the second one I don't See, I disagree. Was. I think the second one... Is, well, then, a, is a yellow card but the first one isn't well then the universe has sorted that one out well so. then tell me about Zlamal what happened there well Bobby Zlamal cleaned out Craig Halkett to give away a penalty it was nil-nil uh, and it was a penalty and uh, he got sent off for a second yellow card he had not had one yellow card 
It was quite funny. He, the referee... It's not as if he looks like anyone else particularly either. What was really funny is how confident Nick Walsh actually just brandished the yellow and then the red. You've got a yellow. You, yeah. You've got a yellow. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're off, son. <laughs> Obviously, it's a shocker. I've, I've seen worse decisions. But to say I've seen worse decisions than giving someone a second yellow when he's not had one is... Oh, it's happened before. What was it when Graham Paul gave three <sighs> yellow cards to uh, to someone once? Well, poor Craig Levine, because this has happened again to Hearts, right? And I really think that red card did a huge... I mean, obviously, the 10 men means you have to defend differently. Um, they're playing at Livy, so it's... Yeah, it's already you know, difficult. It's already difficult. The another problem they had is Dick Amone came off injured. He's not been good at dealing with passing out the back, but Aaron Hughes came on and he looked really rusty. I mean, he's 39, <laughs> so he's not got pace, but he was clearly scared of the balls over the top and they're playing with not high line, but a relatively high line. And um, he kept dropping, not putting the offside trap. Mm. It was his own fault. And uh, I understand why... Uh, Levine was saying he was embarrassed by it because they just fell apart and Levy just what I mean there's two goals in two minutes at one point it could have just kept going let's look around the grounds now it's our man Neil White with the latest from the championship league one and league two in the championship nothing changes after all five games finished in draws pick of them all was the top of the table matchup Ross County at Air United it finished 3-3. Ross County led early on, but Ayr went in 3-1 up at the break before the experienced pair of Billy Mackay and Don Cowie dragged County back into it. Two of Ayr's goals came from Lawrence Shanklin, but of course they did. And it was interesting to hear the Ayr owner Lachlan Cameron on the radio before kickoff talking about Shanklin and a rumoured January bid for the striker. The American owner described the opportunity Air have to gain promotion as a once-in-a-generation deal and all but ruled out accepting a bid that did not include a loan-back clause for the remainder of this season. At the bottom, Aloha twice came from behind to draw at Partick Thistle. One point still separates the bottom three with Falkirk at the bottom of the pile after their 0-0 draw with Morton. Inverness have played 16, drawn 11 and that's ridiculous. Dundee United were the latest visitors to leave the Highlands with a point. And with Stephen Dobie sidelined for the festive period with a hamstring injury, Queen of the South managed zero shots on goal, but still got a 0-0 draw at home to them firmly. League 1 and obviously Arbroath won 1-0 at Airdrie, one of the tougher assignments in that division for the runaway leaders. Beneath them, Wraith Rovers scored in the 88th and 89th minutes to beat Dumbarton 4-2. Kevin Nisbet had pegged back to Barton for the 2-2 goal and has now scored in each of his last four. One more and he'll equal his streak from earlier this season. And Forfer came from behind to leapfrog Montrose into the playoff spot with a 2-1 win in the Angus Derby. League two and only two games survived the weather. Edinburgh City coughed Elgin 4-1 and Blair Henderson scored his second hat-trick of a prolific season. 24 for him so far. In the other game, Clyde beat Annan to cement themselves in third and it was another big goal for 35-year-old midfielder John Rankin. Rankin had literally played for half of the teams in the championship before dropping down the divisions this summer. In each of the past three weeks, he has scored the last goal of the game for two draws and now a win. Dude deserves a winter break. It's not that long ago that Wraith Rovers were taking on Bayern Munich in the UEFA Cup, much to the delight of former Prime Minister Gordon Brown, of course. This weekend, it was a dramatic turnaround as John McGlynn's men scored twice late on to beat Dumbarton 4-2 in League One. We're joined now by Matt Elder, sports editor at the Fife Free Press. 
McGlynn returned as Wraith manager in September, Matt. Just explain to our listeners what went on at the start of the season with Barry Smith. The first uh, real evidence that there was a problem came in the the Betfred Cup opener at home to Cowden Beath, um, which was played at Bayview because uh, Wraith were still waiting on Stars Park being finished for the start of the season. Um, and the Wraith team sheet that day showed 14 players um, listed to turn up at your first competitive match, not being able to fill a bench, not even half a bench, kind of confirmed what a lot of people were saying over the summer was that Wraith hadn't invested in their squad enough um, and they were needing a few more signings before the league season started. Wraith didn't really add to the squad between between then and the start of the league campaign, so they went into the into the league probably under-resourced in terms of players. Um, and I know Barry certainly felt that. Probably felt he didn't get enough backing from the board in terms of building his squad, and, and we also saw what happened thereafter. He resigned, and um, I think it was in early September, and that obviously led to John McGlynn becoming Wraith manager again. And in a bit of context, McGlynn almost took them back up to the top flight in his first spell in charge, and was manager of the year in Scotland back in 2011. So how have yes. the first few months of his second spell gone so far? Uh, it's probably been mixed. There's been some really, really good stuff played under John. I think what he's done is he's tried to bring a passing style. Um, I think he's assessed the squad and he realises that Wraith have got some players who are really comfortable in possession. So he's he's trying to, to make that their strength, um, keeping the ball. And there's been some really attractive football played at times, but countered with some pretty disappointing periods in games, particularly second halves away from home. They're 13 points currently behind our growth at the moment. You can see that that's where their problem's been. 13 behind um, the juggernaut that is our growth this season. Um, they're obviously unbeaten this season, actually the only unbeaten team in Scotland this season. You face them next Saturday, I believe. How much of an indicator could it be for Wraith Rovers as they kind of you know try and chop away at those points that our growth have? I think if Wraith go to Gayfield on Saturday and lose, even still being before Christmas, I think we could probably accept that it's going to take something quite incredible for Arbroath not to then go on and win the league. Arbroath actually came to Starts Park, I think it might have been John McGlynn's second game in charge. They were uh, pretty impressive that day, I have to say. Deservedly went ahead late in the game and it was only through uh, a very late Kevin Nisbet equaliser that Wraith actually got a point from that game. I think Wraith have improved under McGlynn, but Going up to Gayfield, they're going to have to learn the lesson that they've not quite learned yet about playing for 90 minutes away from Stars Park. If they can do that, then they've got players um, in the attacking third that can certainly hurt our growth. Well, to get that result, obviously you need goals, and luckily Wraith have top scorer in League One, Kevin Nisbet. As you mentioned, he's got 18 goals a season and is 21 years old. I presume has quite a few suitors, perhaps in higher leagues. He just signed a contract extension last month, though. Do you think that'll keep other clubs away from him in the January transfer window? Do you know if there's been some uh, interest from other clubs? Um, I've not heard of any, certainly any concrete offers. Anybody scoring goals that, uh, the way Kevin scored is going to uh, certainly attract um, scouts along the Starts Park. I know that, there's, that there are teams looking at him. I'm pretty certain the contract extension will keep Kevin. And that was certainly what he said to me after he signed the contract, that he was looking forward to finishing the season at Wraith. So I don't think he's he's looking for a move at all. He's focused on the job in hand, trying to get Wraith promoted. If he does, um, it'd be great to see him do what Lauren Shankland has done at Ayr. Um, he, had a, he had a similar season with Ayr United in this league last year. He's went up with Ayr, stayed with Ayr, and he's now he's, he's obviously playing a team that knows how to, to feed him, if you like. And sometimes it's just the right club for the right person, because, I mean, Kevin's Kevin's been about. I mean, he's not he's not just come from nowhere. He's, he's, he's had chances on loan at clubs. It's not worked out for him. I think he got a little sniff of the first team at Partick Thistle, but again, couldn't break through. 
You come to a club like Wraith, who are obviously trying to build the team around him. Dane with Wraith for another another year in the Championship, I think, would benefit his career more than, than making a move that might be too early for him. Wraith Rovers are one of those sides that some people kind of just keep an eye on. Like I remember being a kid and just always seeing them on CFAX, and I used to watch them <laughs> just see what they were up to. It was, it was just quite interesting. But they've had an interest in, you know, 20, 25 years, you know, playing the likes of Bayern Munich, having Claude Anelka being the manager, almost going out of business. It's been an interesting kind of time. You know, what are people like in Kirkcaldy and, and, and their expectations um, from the club? Yeah, but I was lucky enough to actually grow up supporting Wraith in a lot of the, the times you mentioned there. I mean, um, the 90s were just incredible. I mean, it almost just started from nowhere because, I mean, for, for years and years and years, Wraith had, had just sort of been your provincial sort of part-time club, really, that, I mean, hadn't done anything particularly special. And then Jimmy Nichol came along and just changed everything, convinced the club to go full-time, just got that exact right blend of experience and youth of players who knew how to have a laugh but also knew how to take things seriously and then just and that and that led then led to the dressing room that they had as well, which if you speak to all the guys from the nineties they say that that was the key behind their success was just how good the dressing room was. And from then on, I mean, expectation levels at at are probably unrealistic because of that. What am I in my late thirties, so that was me growing up as a teenager supporting Wraith and my perception of where Wraith should be are probably based around what, what I saw growing up and at that point it felt like Wraith were very, very important in Scottish football. And at this moment in time, in the third tier below where they should be, struggling to get out of it again, it feels like we're almost back to where we were probably before Jimmy Nicol ever came in. Certainly not meeting the expectations of the Kirkcaldy public. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Rangers climb back to the summit of the Scottish Premiership with a 1-0 win over Hamilton on Sunday. Daniel Candias scoring very early at Ibrox, but Steven Gerrard wasn't happy with the lack of killer instinct. Rangers were knocked out of the Europa League at Rapid Vienna in midweek. They drew against 10-man Dundee last Sunday. Gerrard's still pretty angry, JJ. Yes, he's been trying to buy the video game Killer Instinct, but no one sells it! <laughs> So yeah. you go to the Rangers shop and you can't buy Killer Instinct's not there. There were loads of moments in this game where you're just like, just put it in the net. Just uh, just yeah. put it in the net. Well, do you know what? From the very start, and then Gary Woods, my pal, comes out of his goal. Don't know what planet he was on when he's thinking it. Yeah. And then he slides in. He's nowhere near. the. Well, they get away with it from the very first minute. But then soon after, they conceded. Mm-hmm. Lined up as a 5-4-1. They're doing the same thing. Mikel Miller was injured. Oh, he was ill, I think, so he wasn't there. So they didn't really have anyone to hit the ball to or get anything out of it. So Hamilton were going there to contain and frustrate. And they frustrated them for a long time. They put a good block up and were just heading the ball away, getting rid. But Rangers weren't taking their chances. And it's pretty much as easy as that. Like They were in total charge of the game. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a bombardment from Rangers within the first 15, 20 minutes. It was, they flew out the blocks. Yeah, it they was, started well, it, was, yeah. it was really impressive. You know, actually... Gary Woods didn't have a great start. No, this save was amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was it's save of the season. Absolutely. Save of the season. Everyone thought it was amazing, and uh, Laughter goes over to Woods after and laughs like, "How have you managed to?" He celebrates. He actually goes off and celebrates. The ball's like behind and him. He <laughs> claws it out. I love that save. Yeah. So then he goes. So this is the thing. Gary Woods is good at that, but then he lets himself down with silly little errors mm. in other places. He's obviously a professional goalkeeper, so he knows. He can't fit his dealing like. But, <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, Ross McRory played as a six here in the like four one four one kind of shape. That's he's more of a four two three one, but it's weird because McRory's quite similar to Jack in a way. So I think you, he likes to, in a similar thing. He likes to sit and and kind of have time on the ball and play it around. But he can yeah. do he can do the nasty stuff as well. He can he can win tackles easily. Well, Sometimes. Rangers managed to get their 1-0 win. They should probably have won by more. Should have. Of uh, course they should have. But they're top of the league. Do you think Rangers, in the position they are in now, can hold on to top spot? They've got the players to do it. I think the problem that Gerard has and had when he took the job is that in order to turn this Rangers team into one that can challenge and compete the way that the fans want them to, is uh, to create this culture and to to do that is very difficult and it can take years but he doesn't really have years to do it mm. it can take that long but you put players in and not all of them are experienced at playing um, at very high level or competing to win and they're going to have to learn that and you see it in a lot of teams and what Rangers are doing are they're playing nice football but they're not getting over the line and it's a mentality that you have to create and I think it could come Gerard certainly had that kind of spirit so mm-hmm. I think he is doing a good job yeah they're out of the Europa League those only thing didn't manage to win in Vienna and so that's them tumbled out of that so now they really have the league and the Scottish Cup to focus on and that's going to be their priorities and I think he to satisfy this as a successful season I think he needs to go very close to winning something and not be far away from it Perhaps the most surprising result of the weekend in the Premiership saw St Johnson slip to a 2-1 defeat at home to Motherwell Early goals from Tom Aldred and Danny Johnson led the Steelmen to their first win in Perth for six years, while ending the Saints' eight-game unbeaten run. Felt inevitable after all the talk of St Johnson having seven clean sheets out of these eight games and going that that, that big run. Yeah. And then they let in a goal early, and that changes the whole makeup of the game. Suddenly they can't just control and try and get a goal and keep the game in the way they want, and Motherwell managed to get two. So once they've conceded, they can't play the way they want to play, contain low and hit them I couldn't call this game um, in the build up to it because I I think Motherwell have been quite inconsistent they're capable of beating pretty much anyone in in this league I think but they just haven't been able to bring the goods but they they obviously did it on Saturday kudos has got to go to Danny Johnson who's coming in and banging more goals in than than any of his other strike partners he's banging goals in all over the shop again it's kind of scrappy this game and I think it was inevitable it was going to be like this Um, horrible weather not the greatest game you'll ever see. Both teams want to just try and win the ball, hit it long, kind of keep it there and make it hard to make yourselves hard to break down. Mm-hmm. And this game could have ended at any score. It yeah. could have been 0-0, 1-0, 2-0, all over the place. But one thing we do know for sure is that St. Johnston are absolutely horse at taking penalties. <laughs> so Matty Kennedy is the latest to miss his spot kick was saved by Mark Gillespie yeah. this is St Johnston's penalty record this season in the Premiership they've scored two missed four yeah pretty bad isn't that's it? too many penalties they've had five different takers as well Kennedy's the only player to take two he scored the last one against Hearts yeah he missed on I, Saturday I felt sorry for Matty Kennedy I thought everything that was good from St Johnston came through him I totally Cro- agree crosses into the box just someone couldn't get on the end of it and then the penalty comes along and you think he's going to slot it away, maybe get a draw out of it. He's a really good player to watch. I remember he's, he was at Cardiff a few years ago and uh, Neil Warnock was a big fan. He's just kind of fallen away a little bit and, and St Johnston's given him that confidence again. Um, I think he's been vital for them so far this season. But obviously Motherwell have got Celtic in midweek. Celtic hoping to... They'll, they'll respond. Yeah, they they always do, and after a defeat, they always seem to kind of find the reasons why it went wrong, and and then just come out and batter someone. Well, I think they're, they're the wrong players, the wrong positions at the weekend, and this time they'll 
go back to a more familiar shape, that back four, which turns into a three. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't like predicting. I always say that. But mm-hmm. Motherwell will do the same thing. They'll try and make themselves hard to beat. They'll try and go long and they'll use their physicality to try and disrupt them at the back. And it is possible because sadly don't like it when you go at them, but it depends whether they're really feeling it because it's, you know, they're playing a lot of games in a row now. So yeah. you start to lose some of that fitness you need to play at that high intensity. Aberdeen, Dundee. Dundee, as we know, have been dreadful all season. They yeah. make a lot of errors. Aberdeen are playing not nice football, but they're getting themselves over the line. And I, you'd think it'd be more of the same. This could be a bit of a minging game to watch, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just Aberdeen have done so well to get where they are just now. I mean, like all the all the the praise that Steve Clark's getting because he is the best manager in the world. <laughs> uh, you got to remember, McInnes is four points off him, and his team is nowhere near where he wants it to be. And that'd be an interesting one there. The other, other game, I think this is a really big game. Hibs this Rangers. is the, this is the standout. Yeah, Hibs yeah. Rangers. Um, this is Rangers' game in hand as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they could, in theory, extend their lead at the top of the table. But Hibs coming off the back of that Celtic result, they'll be flying at this game. Imagine you could beat two of the Glasgow teams they within a space of a week. They shut out Celtic and they could do... I mean, Rangers' problems is is actually scoring, getting... It's a killer instinct. Yeah. Need other SNES games. <laughs> and that's what they have to make sure they... I mean, this is so obvious. They have to and, make sure they score and, goals. And Rangers away from home haven't always been that... Clinical as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's playing into Hibs, Hibs' hands a little bit. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to see Hibs going at them again, maybe the same shape. I don't like that three at the back they play. I think it'd be nice if they can just go at them. Just have four at the back and, and allow your players in front of you to play like your Malins and your. I, I think it was really good to see Malin and Horgan um, together, especially with with Heinemann just kind of you know breaking up play and 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 making the play. Um, so Rangers have got a big tough game in their hands yep. at Easter Road. I can't call this one at all. That's it from us. We'll be taking our own winter break, heading up north for Christmas, but we'll be back on Monday the 7th of January with a special half-term report in the Premiership. Thanks for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year. Bye. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand.